Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Nice to be back with you. Episode 264. Sky, I am your host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Today we are breaking down the afternoon slates on Sunday as well as tonight's football game between the Bengals and the Browns as well as Monday night's game against the Saints and the Raiders. Yesterday I was joined by my man Bobby Lamarco of Fantasy Football X Factor. Did a great job breaking down the earlier slate on Sunday. Today... We have our man Dweez Nuts back in the place. You heard him on Tuesday. He's back for another round. Luke is taking another day off here. Dweez, how you doing, buddy? Man, I can't get enough of this shit. 264 episodes. Congratulations, dude. That's badass. <laughs> I'm, I'm jazzed to be a small part of what you got going on. Dude. I really I really appreciate that, man. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we've, we've had some ups and downs here on the podcast, but I feel like we've finally gotten our groove here in year three and uh i'm i'm pumped man i i can't wait to do this full time eventually someday and um you know although you're newer to the team you've been a huge contribution already and nice. you know we try to give you as many shout outs as we possibly can but i think what people don't realize uh is how much work you have done personally behind the scenes uh for the website for the articles for the draft guide um and bringing a lot of value you know so your voice is new to the podcast uh, the last couple of weeks but uh, your work certainly uh, is not going to notice. So the, the love is mutual, man. I appreciate your time and energy. Absolutely. Uh, let's break this down, man. I mean, you know, Bobby and I crushed out 10 games yesterday for that morning slot. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a busy early slate there on Sunday. Um, so you and I just have six to go over here. We're going to go over tonight's game, uh, Bengals and Browns, as I mentioned, and then we have four games on Sunday, three in the afternoon, Washington, Arizona, Baltimore, Houston, Kansas city, LA chargers, and then the night game, New England at Seattle, and then, of course, Monday Night Football with the Saints and the Raiders. Let's kick it off per usual, man. Before we get into this, I do – I haven't heard your version of it yet. We talked to Lucas, talked to Bobby. I've given my shtick quick. I did want to just kind of hear from you quick, and, and I heard a little bit of this on the Stat Rat podcast on Tuesday, so if folks haven't heard that yet, dial it back a little bit to hear Lucas and Dwayne dive in deeper on Stat Rat. But um, I just – 
Dwayne, I want to get a couple thoughts off top, just, you know, maybe one thing that, that, um, you know, really surprised you kind of in a good way. Uh, you were happy to see one way or another fantasy football wise or NFL wise this last weekend in week one. And one thing maybe that surprised you in a negative, uh, maybe it was a game script situation. Maybe it was a player that underperformed. Maybe it was an injury. Uh, maybe it was somebody that you were super high on all summer and they, you know, they, they, they flopped kind of a thing or a team that came out flat. Just curious to get your general thoughts after uh, waiting all of these months and finally getting a full weekend of football. How was it for you, first of all? And just give me a couple of general feedbacks of the weekend. Yeah, man, uh, it, it was amazing. I had uh, five screens going at once trying to watch every game that I could watch. It's just kind of how I roll out here. I can't one one television set doesn't do it for me. But <laughs> God, there were so many surprises. Like you said, I man, we no preseason. We didn't have any idea what was going to happen. So many big changes, big name changes, coaching changes in the league. That week one was was always going to be a surprise. And I don't, I don't think it let down anywhere from Cam Newton getting his fifteen like called runs from Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels out there, which I don't think anybody expected quite that much to. Uh, you know, some of the some of the rookies who stepped up and did some stuff, some of the rookies who failed to show up, a couple guys that I was disappointed to see, like uh, my boy Michael Pittman in Indianapolis, not much work there behind Paris Campbell, which you, you sort of think, you, you always expect that with a rookie wide receiver, but I had it in my head that he was going to, he was going to be a stud. Um, then you see guys like Josh Kelly, who, you know, he didn't start, he didn't get the bulk of the work, but he got, he got plenty of work in there that I felt good taking my victory lap. I've been saying Joshua Kelly's name since before the NFL draft, he's going to be the starting back on this team, at least ball carrier on this team sooner rather than later. So that's exciting to see, but uh, can't, can't get out of this portion of the show without just mentioning that every single one of my fucking studs in my home league are on the IR or flirting with it right now after week one. And, you know, another thing you expect without those preseason games, without the, the full contact stuff in camp, uh, just the injuries were killer. That's a big part of it, man. Unfortunately, you know, injuries always mm -hmm. do happen in football and in fantasy football. And of course, you know, when it's a, when it's a guy at the top of the food chain, um, it's obviously, you know, harder to deal with because they have such oh, yeah. higher draft capital, you know, Michael Thomas, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, you know, these guys come up, come up limp um, early. I mean, it's hard to react, uh, but at the, you know, the reality is nobody, you know, very few players, I should say, are season ending outside of Marlon Mack, unfortunately, um, mm -hmm. and, and Blake Jarwin. Uh, other than that, you know, there are guys that, that do have an opportunity. Maybe it's three games, maybe it's just a game, maybe it's six weeks. Nonetheless, there's not a lot of season ending in uh, IR situations so far, which is good. Unfortunately, we do have a very long season and there are a lot of studs. I mean, I think of the Buccaneers, you know, and and um, what's what's gone on with Mike, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, just two weeks ago, we were talking about these guys being, you know, potentially top 10 apiece, top five apiece, whatever. All of a sudden, you know, we got a hamstring and a concussion. Brady looks like shit. Like, what are we doing here in Tampa Bay all of a sudden? Right. I mean, things change so drastically here in football and in fantasy landscape. That's why we always kind of tell people, you know, don't overreact over week one, but I would honestly extend that over the, ne the next two or three weeks, to be honest. I mean, this is an unusual season to say the least. And we have been preaching on the podcast for weeks and months that with no preseason, that's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's almost a deficit rather than um, something to help these players because they don't get out there and hit each other. They're not running routes at full speed. You see guys, you know, off uh, off kilter and things like that and pulling up with lame injuries they wouldn't have had if they were 
able to kind of get some of that rust off in the first couple of weeks. So we haven't had that this year and it's a unique situation. So I agree with you, man. I think a lot of those rookie running backs, man, JK Dobbins got in twice, Jonathan Taylor, obviously all of a sudden he's a top 10 running back overnight. Um, that happened a lot quicker than we thought. CEH comes out as advertised, absolutely crushes last Thursday night. Joshua Kelly, as you mentioned, um, you know, Zach Moss looked good. Uh, there's a number of these, uh, of these rookies that came up and, and did really well. Um, so I, I'm with you. And then there's a handful of uh, veteran letdowns, unfortunately, you know, Odo Beckham, um, uh, you know, Nick Chubb. Um, I'll tell you, I had, uh, I had Deshaun Jackson in every daily lineup I could get him in. And then that, uh, that's that a big one. get on the field. That's a big one too. And a, a name actually that popped up on the ticker while I was just kind of watching all the games, paying attention, I saw a 55 yard reception from Jalen Reger. And I was like, wait a minute. First of all, this guy wasn't supposed to play. Secondly, that's the big play we're looking for. And then the rest of the game, I kept waiting for his name to show up and it didn't. <laughs> so I'm just like, you know, it's just like these, these things, you know, the Eagles are up 17 and then Washington defensive line takes over eight sacks later. They end up losing the game. It's just an insane first week, man. So I'm excited to get into week two to see what these trends are starting to build. I'm also excited to see some of our guys bounce back to the mean and hopefully uh, a couple running backs, namely Joe Mixon and uh, Nick Chubb, um, bounce back to where we think they're going to be. Let's start here with the Bengals and the Browns. So last week, the Bengals, man, get a get a kind of a gut-wrenching defeat um, against the Titans and to, or, I'm sorry, uh, against the uh, Chargers. Um, Joe Burrow took him down late in the game. Joe looked fine. You know, I mean, he's a rookie. You got to expect uh, what he put in, you know, 23 for 36, 193, a pick, no touchdowns. He did have a rushing score, though. Looked pretty good there. So you got to appreciate that from, from him taking some leadership. They played really well with the Chargers up and down the field. Come down, Randy Bullock misses kind of a chip shot to take him to overtime. Unfortunately, they didn't get that opportunity. And then on the other side, you got the Browns, who just got absolutely you know, manhandled, embarrassed by the Ravens. Now, it's not necessarily a surprise on the scoreboard, but what is a surprise is how ineffective the entire team was. I know that you have been fading Nick Chubb all summer long. Lucas is hashtag never the Browns. I have been kind of tongue-in-cheek just to give Lucas shit. I have been like a pseudo-Browns fan. But to me, it just doesn't make sense that they're bad. Like, I know they're the Browns historically, and I understand that. It doesn't make sense to me on paper that they're bad. Baker Mayfield's not bad. Odell Beckham's not bad. The running backs are great, in my opinion. Jarvis Landry's great. The defense should be better than it is. They just can't make it happen. I don't know what the hell's in the water in Cleveland, but it's not good news. Um, should we expect a bounce back from any of these guys? Joe Mixon got the workload but didn't score, so he had kind of a lame duck. A.J. Green looked really good, I thought. Had two touchdowns overthrown. Um, Tyler Boyd, nowhere to be seen, though. There's a lot of question marks in this game in particular with a lot of fantasy value. We'll start with the Bungles real quick, man. Break down the Bengals, and let's get on to the Browns. What can we expect in week two, Thursday night, tonight? Yeah, so obviously uh, you said it. Joe Burrow did look pretty good in uh, in his opener there. Not stellar, didn't blow the lights off or anything. Um, but I, I want to say this about the Cleveland Browns defense. You know, they didn't they didn't look good as a team. However, they pressured Lamar Jackson on 31% of his dropbacks on only nine blitzes on the game, right? That's not a lot of blitzes relative to the number of pressures. That defensive line was getting after it, and they were missing pieces that should be back this week. So I do expect Joe Burrow to see a lot more pressure maybe than he did um, last week, uh, have a little bit less time to get the ball out. We'll see how he handles that. You know, you'd think it wouldn't be an issue. He's seen pressure before he saw it in college, and he dealt with it just fine. 
go to the running back situation. You know, 20 touches for Mixon last week. That's a ton of touches. He just couldn't get it going, not more than 60 yards on the ground. Um, the offensive line struggled a little bit to open up holes for him, and he just didn't look as electric as we kind of expect him to, at least at the, after uh, the tail end of last season where he turned it on. I think some of some of his struggles probably continue again this week. Again, that defensive line in Cleveland is is not a slouchy line. I mean, they they are they are tough. They can stand up, and if they can push Joe Burrow around a little bit in that pocket and um, slow him down, then I think it's going to be a harder day for everybody, Mixon included. Uh, AJ Green, you mentioned him. I like watching AJ Green play football. Always have, but he has a he has a tough matchup this week. Denzel Ward is one of the better DBs in the league. He's probably going to shadow him throughout the course of the game. But, you know, with his one-play potential, A.J. Green's the kind of guy, you know, he'll have 30 yards going into the fourth quarter and end with 140 and a touchdown. So you can't sit him. Um, but I would absolutely temper my expectations. And uh, you, you start him in your flex at this point if you can avoid starting him as your one or two. Finally, on this team, you know, last last week we saw Mark Andrews have a nice day um, at the tight end spot. CJ Uzama is a name that maybe not a lot of people know, but he went four for five, 45 yards last week. That was second on the team in all three of those categories. He had one of those red zone targets, led the team. He and Gio had the only two. I think CJ Uzama is absolutely streamable this week and might actually have a nice little day for you. You know, if he can catch the ball five times and go for 75 yards, maybe a score, maybe not. That's a streamable tight end for me. Um, but you know, if I had to, if I had to tell you right now, I'm going to say, yeah, God, you can't sit Mixon because he is your, your running back, but I don't expect a lot from him. And if you're going to play AJ Green, you should probably temper and make sure you've got some good solid floor guys in some of your, uh, starting spots ahead of him in the flex. I think that's a great call, man. I was just going to ask if, if there's any other viable weapons, uh, that we can see now it's, 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 um, outside of AJ Green while he's healthy, of course, you're firing him up now, you know we talk about coaches speak a lot in the off season. There's also quarterback speak and guys hyping up teammates and Holy shit, this guy looks amazing. Like expect him to have a huge season. Well, once that hits Twitter, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, sure. somebody, somebody's going to be the best dude on the field. I don't take a lot of merit into that most of the time, but when things like the quarterback of a receiver, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers kind of famously did this with Devonte Adams five years ago when Jordy Nelson was the guy and, and Rodgers was like, you know, I know he had a tough season as a rookie, but Devontae Adams is legit. Like, he should have a big season. All of a sudden, he became Devontae Adams. The rest is history. Joe Burrow came out earlier just a couple weeks ago and was like, look, Tyler Boyd is fresh. He looks good. A.J. Green's our man, but Tyler Boyd should have a big season. I think that, you know, I think some people hitting me up on my DMs, you know, they got the value on Tyler Boyd in like the seventh, eighth round, and they're looking to drop him, trade him for nothing. And I'm like, look, dude, first of all, A.J. Green could go down next weekend. Secondly – Secondly, hold on to them. They're going to have big games and, and not so big games. Another thing to, to uh, look outside the box score and outside of the fantasy box score is look at who these teams overall played at, on, in a football aspect last week. The Bengals and the Browns played two of the best just pure NFL defenses last weekend. The Ravens are going to be a top five defense, and the Chargers, if they actually stay healthy this year, probably will as well. Both have a great defensive line, great secondary and both of these other teams are young up front with young quarterbacks. So for them to get obliterated the way that they did, I don't think shows 
the true colors of what we can expect weekly, but it does explain a little bit why they took the beating that they did last week. So I like you said that, you know, we should see a, a bounce back a little bit now that they're playing each other and can kind of beat up on, you know, even opponents versus going up against a superior talent there. So I think that's a good call. I do expect uh, Joe Mixon to bounce back. I think, you know, again, he got the workload. Um, 20 touches a week is what he got down the stretch last year. And he really, you know, turned it on late. I expect that to happen. And I do expect them to kind of take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands a little bit and not make him win games. I think that was the mistake with Baker last year and a young quarterback. I think they're going to, you know, play action. And Joe Burrow looked great. And, again, he's got wheels, kind of underrated uh, ability to move in the pocket, things like that. So I expect that to uh, definitely pick up. Let's move on to the Browns here. Um, again, last week they got embarrassed, you know, 38-6. to six. Mm -hmm. uh, Baker Mayfield, rough game, 21 for 39, 189, a pick and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb basically had the same box score, 13 for 72 on the ground for Hunt, 10 for 60 for Nick Chubb through the air pretty much the same as well Odell Beckham uh you know two or three uh three for 22 but 10 targets so to be to be off on seven passes dude that is a huge alarm to me his stat line's terrible but to be off on 70 percent of the targets when Jarvis Landry was five for six for 61 it seems very clear that Jarvis Landry is the number one in Cleveland is that is that an overstatement um you know what he was the number one in Cleveland last year, but I, I want to caution people against this week one. And, and yeah, he was three for 10 was Beckham, but um, he had three pass interference calls go against him. Two of them on really deep passes. You're not going to catch a ball when you're getting held. And they were blatant calls. At least the two deep balls were pretty blatant calls. I think, um, I think specifically, I think Odell Beckham Jr. This year is this week is going to have a big week. I think he bounces back quite nicely even if he goes eight targets I expect you know six catches 100 plus yards a touchdown maybe even two those big plays that didn't happen last week because of penalties or just because of the fact that Baltimore's defensive backfield is the best in the league with Marlon Humphrey Humphreys and Marcus Peters like he's going to convert some of those this week it's just going to happen and then there's the whole Landry injury thing right so um, I know he was limited in practice Wednesday he's got that hip issue missed practice altogether on Tuesday so kind of pay attention to today's practice reports to see uh, or today's injury reports to see how he's doing and whether or not they're going to limit his snaps but I think Beckham's a wide receiver this week to own here season long you know I, I'm with Landry I'm all about the PPR guy uh, but uh, this week I'm firing Beckham up on all cylinders he's all over the place I think he's gonna be a top 10 wide yeah. receiver for sure. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's going to be a big bounce back. And overall, in the, on the season, I do think there's going to be a big, uh, a big bounce back as well. Let's talk about these running backs, man. There's a lot of people panicking with Nick Chubb, of course. And again, you, uh, you know, Lucas and I have talked a lot about your take on Nick Chubb on an earlier episode uh, late in the summer. I think it was maybe um, late July, maybe mid-August. You and Lucas broke down a lot of the goal line work for running backs, maybe running backs to fade. And uh, Nick Chubb uh, was on your list. And I've been a Nick Chubb guy for two years. And um, I think he's one of the best pure running backs in the NFL. And I was like, whoa, that kind of raised an eyebrow for me. I listened to it twice. And after hearing you, um, I'm still into Nick Chubb, but I hear where you're coming from. And the reality is the goal line efficiency isn't there. But also, again, I mean, Kareem Hunt out-touched him here in this game. Uh, that is certainly a concern, right, for Nick Chubb. I mean, six targets for Kareem Hunt, just one for Nick Chubb, and again, 13 carries to 10 for Nick Chubb. So straight up, Kareem Hunt got more work than Nick Chubb did. Now, 
is that the fact that the Ravens just boat raced him from the beginning and he got a little bit game scripted out. So there's not as much concern. Again, they were playing an, an incredible defense. Give me something to be excited about <laughs> for Nick Chubb. You just, you just kind of rekindled my fire on Odell. Yeah. Uh, I hope you can do that with Nick Chubb because I got to be honest, man, I'm a Nick Chubb guy for sure. And I'm not dropping him. I'm not trying to trade him. I'm actually trying to trade for him, believe it or not, uh, because I do think yeah. it's going to be there uh, long-term, but um, damn. <laughs> that's so that's the right move trying to trade for him and you know all those people that are freaking out be cautious I said uh, on my podcast I said ever I could going into last week that Nick Chubb was had to be one of the biggest fadebacks in the league look Baltimore under Jim or John Harbaugh over the past couple of years in first games of the seasons or games after coming out of the bye they were they were 210 to 54 they had outscored their opponents like this is one of the best coaches in the league he knows how to put a game plan together when he has time to do it. They were going to come out to a huge lead early, regardless of what Cleveland did. And uh, it, and it was a game script thing, exactly like you mentioned. This was a Kareem Hunt game because Nick Chubb is not the pass catching back. He will never have more pass catching work than Hunt at this point. Um, and uh, that's just kind of who had to be on the field because of the position they were in. I think this week they'll be ahead most of the game, or at least right there in it with Cincinnati most of the game. And, you know, it's it's likely from if I'm guessing, I'm going to guess a 60-40 snap count and a 60-40 touch count with Chubb taking the lead in that backfield overhunt this week. Um, I think they'll run it plenty. The big issue that I had last week when I was watching the coaching in Cleveland, you know, all offseason long, we heard that Stefanski is the play action coach in the league. He's the play action coach. He's going to bring the play action back and Cleveland, they only had seven play action pass attempts, 34 yards on this team last year. It's because they couldn't run the ball. Chubb couldn't be in the game when they needed Chubb to be in the game. They couldn't get anything going. All that shifts. I think there's a huge focus early in this game to get Chubb going on the ground so that they can go to the play action later on in the game um, and uh, and take this one down. I'm all, all on Chubb this week. I'm actually sitting Kareem Hunt. I don't, I don't suggest people play him anywhere. I just don't think it's going to be a good game for him. And it's going to be like this with these two guys all year as far as I'm concerned. Look at the look at the matchup. Look at the game script, and you're gonna have to pick and choose which one you want to play. I don't I don't think Hunt's the guy this week. It's all Chubb for me. So you can feel a little better, and if you can get him in a trade right now, this is the time to do it for sure. I do like that, and absolutely. So as much as people are panicking and looking to sell off guys like Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, um, mm. you know, I mean, a lot of these receivers, even Michael Thomas, who's hurt now. Look, I mean, if people are willing to do it, see what the price is. I mean, don't go crazy on somebody injured. Don't go crazy on somebody that may have a committee all of a sudden. Like, you know, don't sell the farm for these guys. But, yo, if you can scoop a – you can scoop Play the market, Michael, man. Yeah, scoop a Michael Thomas and sit him out for a month. I mean, you're still going to be, you know, uber dominant, assuming he comes back healthy over the next eight, eight weeks or whatever, and you can make that trade right now. So – Look to be active and, and check your waiver wires too because week one especially, a lot of people panic. A lot of people drop players oh, yeah. that they got frustrated that they, they drafted in the third round, the fourth round. They're like, ah, man, that guy didn't play. He dropped three passes. He didn't score, blah, blah, blah. They drop him out of frustration. Look, pick up, pick up free scraps, man. It happens every single, every single season. All right, man, let's move on to the Sunday slate then. We're excited for tonight's game. It's a, it's a big rivalry game, if you will. Obviously, the Ravens and the Steelers run the AFC North, but uh, a lot of young bucks and good fantasy uh, value there in the uh, Bengals and Browns game this evening. So enjoy that. Let's move on to the Sunday slate here. We got Washington 
at Arizona. Both of these teams with upset victories last weekend. Washington came out as the general Washington franchise we know and love who is terrible and discombobulated and no offense and okay defense for the first half. And then Carson Wentz turned into a pumpkin again. All of a sudden, a 17-point lead evaporates. They tie up the game. They actually take the lead. And the defensive line and Chase Young, holy shit, (laughs) they're the real deal. Eight sacks, a couple of picks, turned that game completely around outside of the two tight ends per usual for the Eagles. There was no other offense outside of that deep bomb I mentioned with Jalen Rager. Um, Washington really just took over the game in the second half. And uh, I got to be honest, man, I – They've been a bad franchise for pretty much my entire life. I think like the second half of Sunday's game was almost the best I've seen a Washington team play in a real long time. And uh, they got a lot of young talent, man, if they can keep it together. And I think Ron Rivera, them rallying around him for off-field reasons, but also just him being a a great, literally militant coach, I think is really going to help a young franchise there. On the other side, Arizona beat up on my Niners, and I'm just not surprised, uh, unfortunately. I mean – Jimmy's not the answer, and I'm not going to keep going into the, my Jimmy, my Jimmy uh, fire here. But um, obviously, New Hopkins, uh, we're not going to have to wait too long for New <laughs> Hopkins to take over. I think there was a lot of kind of, you know, Odell Beckham struggled last year. It's a new wide receiver with a new team, with a new scheme, with a new quarterback. Give him a couple of weeks, no offseason. Nah. I mean, 14 receptions, well over 100 yards. Nuke is an absolute beast. Uh, He's just fine. This offense looked great. The defense looked great, made it happen, beat up on the 49ers. So both these teams get a nice um, kind of uh, upset victory here. Let's start with the Washington football team. And and, um, do you think it can continue here? And for fantasy purposes, like I'm kind of stoked for them and and half rooting for them in in football terms, because why the hell not? They've been through the ringer because their owner's an absolute fucking piece of shit. And, uh, their coaches, unfortunately, up until now have been rough, but I'm rooting for um, Ron Rivera and I'm rooting for this, this franchise in general here to turn it around. But fantasy-wise, can you actually play anybody? I assume you got to start Terry McLaurin just because. Um, I like this prospect here with eight targets to Logan Thomas, kind of a streaming tight end. Um, other than that, I'm not sure what I want to do with this backfield. Yeah, it's – it's tough. It's tough fantasy-wise. Also a huge Ron Rivera fan ever since he came. He was a defense coordinator in Chicago there. Did Love big that. things for my Bears. So yep. I've watched them ever since. But, uh, look, Haskins was just not very good uh, last week. 54% accuracy, only 178 yards passing. And he was only hurried eight times in the entire game. It's not like there was a lot of pressure on him. Um, Arizona's pass rush, you know, isn't very good either, though. Arizona's secondary isn't as good as Philadelphia's secondary either. I know they were, they were good last week, Arizona, but I don't really think that's who they are on defense. Uh, it's not, it's not a big, uh, it's not a tougher game. I think for Haskins in week two here than it was in week one, but it's not any easier either. And until he shows us that he can play in a plus matchup with, with really last week and this week are they're plus matchups for this guy. I, I'm, very hesitant to touch any piece of this team. Now, Terry McLaurin got seven targets last week. You have to play him for the volume, even if the targets aren't high-value targets, like we kind of expect, like we saw from him last year. Um, you, you have to play him because we've seen what he can do with the volume, and we know the volume is going to go his way. You mentioned Logan Thomas at those eight targets. He, he was the only guy uh, at the tight end position to get a catch. He got damn near every tight end 
snap, uh, 70, I think, 9% of the tight end snap share. He dominated there as well. Logan Thomas is absolutely somebody that should have been picked up off your waiver wire this week. He probably wasn't, which means if you're listening right now, you can go get him. He is going to end up a top 12 tight end. Uh, he is somebody that Haskins will look to. His eight targets beat Terry's seven targets, led the team in targets. That's just going to be something that happens. And Logan Thomas, a converted quarterback, knows the game of football. He's smart. He knows how to get open, um, sit down in pockets. He's he's going to be a legit wider or receiving tight end option for this team, I think, all year. Uh, but we do have to talk about this backfield. Peyton Barber is the stealer of souls for all fantasy backs that he plays with. For whatever reason, this guy gets touch after touch after touch. 17 carries on the week. Now, I will mention that, you know, six of those carries were from inside the five-yard line. He is the goal line back on this team. But if you just take the 11 carries that were not inside the five-yard line, uh, he had a 2.1 yard per carry average on those touches, right? So when he's getting the ball, it's not that he's good. He's never been a good running back. For whatever reason, they just decided to continue giving him the ball instead of a guy like Antonio Gibson. Only 29% snap share to Gibson, but he did have 11 carries. Um, one red zone carry as well. He also caught all of the running back catches out of the backfield. There were only two targets there, but uh, Arizona's a team that you know gave up 100 yards receiving to Mostert, Coleman, and McKinnon combined. Sorry, less than 100 yards receiving to these three guys combined. Um, scratch that. Let me start that over. Sorry, my notes are jumbled. They gave up less than 100 yards rushing to Mostert, Coleman, and McKinnon combined. I don't think I don't think Washington is going to be able to run on them, but they gave up seven catches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns receiving to these two backs. All that said, I want to, I want to start Gibson again this week. I think his receiving options uh, are going to help him score some points here where Peyton Barber's shitty work on the ground and maybe goal line work, um, I, I'm not buying into. I'm on Gibson this week. I'm going to start him in daily lineups. Do I start him in my season-long stuff? I don't know, but, uh, but, but line him up. And eventually, look, this kid will take over the bulk of the work in this backfield. So, so don't trade him. Don't cut him. Don't be scared. Gibson's going to be the guy eventually. I like it. I'm a little bit weary on going with Gibson. I mean, again, nine, nine carries a rookie, not terrible. Four yards yep. per carry, 36 yards. Uh, not bad. He actually had the best efficiency through the backfield. But you mentioned Peyton Barber, 17 carries, 29 yards. Quick yep. math for you folks. That's a Kalen Balazs-esque 1.7 yards per carry overall here. He did get the two touchdowns, so he's accidentally relevant for fantasy football. But let's compare this quickly to, to tight ends. We say all the time, almost every tight end not in the top five is going to have some sort of stat line that's about four for 46 on the week, all right? Almost every tight end is going to have that, all right? The difference between them being relevant in fantasy and not is if they happen to score a touchdown. If they score a touchdown, it's like 14, 15 points. That's top 10. If they don't, it's going to be about six to eight points. That's, you know, bottom 15 or whatever. Big difference. Peyton Barber scored two touchdowns on 29 yards. I'm not confident in him. I didn't actually even even rush out to pick him up at all. I do think eventually it is your boy Antonio Gibson's backfield. Eventually they still have JD McKissick uh, around there catching targets and everything else. So um, I'm I'm just not excited about this offense at all uh, overall for fantasy football. You know Terry McLaurin is great, um, and I think Logan Thomas is a steal if you're streaming tight ends. I do like the matchups. 
Um, I, I love the piece that you just threw in here that he's a converted quarterback that matters. Uh, that means that he has kind of the same mindset of the, to find the seam, to find the hole, to know when to turn around, break a route off, whatever, because he sees what a quarterback sees. That shit adds up, and I, I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, again, I, I think the team itself is going to surprise in football terms, but fantasy-wise, uh, I'm going I'm to look elsewhere. On the other side of the ball, man, fire up the Arizona Cardinals. Damn, Kyler Murray is a beast. He did have 100 yards rushing at one point in this game, but after a few kneel downs, it actually knocked him back down to about 91, I believe. Again, New Hopkins, 14 and 100 plus. I think that's probably going to be a normal stat line. Uh, Kenyon Drake could have done a little bit more work, but I think this backfield is going to be just fine. This defense played pretty well also. So not a lot of names, but Kyler, Nuke are automatic. Kenyon Drake is still automatic. Um, anything else to add with the Cardinals here, or you just start your studs? Uh, I'm just a little, you know, I would love to be so all in on everybody on this team, but that, that Arizona's off, that, that line, that front line on the offense is so bad. Now, you know, I think Kyler and Kingsbury combined can do enough to make, to keep him out of trouble, but that line is really bad. And we saw what Washington's front seven can do. I'm a little concerned that there's going to be a lot more pressure here um, for Kyler than there was last week. I'm, it's not to say I'm sitting him. You're obviously rolling him out there. You drafted him in the first couple of rounds of your draft. Like you said, Nook is what is he is. There's no tight end worth owning on this team, but uh you know, I think Kenyon Drake might be a really good play this week. Another sneaky play in, in daily, if you play daily, to score you a lot of points. Washington shut down the Philly run game last week, but it was Boston Scott and Corey Clement. Like, that's not a test. Yeah. I think Drake's going to come in here and test them a little bit. And I, and I think Kingsbury uses Drake to try to slow down that pass rush throughout the course of the game in some interesting ways. So I'd play him and expect a, a really big game from him this week for sure. I like it. I agree. All right, let's move on here to the Baltimore Ravens and the Houston Texans. Uh, in football terms, I think this one uh, could be fun if Deshaun Watson can actually uh, stay healthy in this game and not get destroyed uh, with no offensive line and this incredible defense coming at him. If he has any chance that Brandon Cooks can get healthy, if these guys can you know, keep David Johnson on the field as well, this might actually be a ball game. I, I do think Baltimore rolls him eventually, but I think this could be a ball game here. Fantasy-wise, there should be a lot of fireworks in this game. Let's start with the Ravens here. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, led the team in rushing as well. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, here's what I want to talk about real quick. Mark Ingram, 10 carries, 29 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 7 carries, 22 yards. Of course, the rookie out of Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins, does get the two touchdowns. Now, Mark Ingram last year had 15 touchdowns, 10 of those rushing, 5 of those receiving, over 1,000 yards again. Um, 29 yards on 10 carries with an awesome offensive line, play action, the whole thing. Not getting it done. Nobody for this offense got it done. Lamar got his 45 yards, which is impressive, but even that is kind of a, a slow game for him. Through the air, uh, Hollywood Brown had a nice game, five for six on his targets, 101 yards. You like to see that. Willie Sneed has never played in fantasy football, but uh, kind of always productive there, 64 yards in the touchdown. And then Mark Andrews, five for six. 58 yards and his two scores, you're firing him up. So Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, uh, and Lamar Jackson, automatic, obviously. If you have to pick one of these running backs, man, are you going to roll with Mark Ingram because you should, or are you going to take a chance on the rookie that he scores again? Look, I'm not playing either of them. I said them both this week, and it's not because I don't think one of them is going to have a huge game, but I need to see what is going to happen on a in a game that's relatively close. Look, 
halfway through the second quarter, this game was a two-score game, and it's, it was that was the best it got for Cleveland all day. Uh, and to me, that says, hey, let's get let's get this J.K. Dobbins kid in. Let's put him in on the goal and let's see what he can do. I'm concerned that this was more of a situational thing than a game plan thing for Dobbins, but I'm not concerned enough that I think Ingram is going to, in a close game, get all that work again. Ingram, he did all his work on the goal line last year. He did so he scored so many times on that goal line that if Dobbins is going to take some of that away, he loses an insane amount of value. I, I want to see a good game a close game. And I think this can be that close game before I decide what I'm doing with these two guys. But yeah, I sit them both this week. I mean, you should be able to sit them both. If you drafted them, you probably got some other guys to be safe, but uh, sit them both, start everybody else on the team though. Fair enough. Let's jump over to the other side. Deshaun Watson, um, very, very, very tough matchup, but it's going to be hard to sit him unless you did draft a second quarterback in singles, or you do have a nice super flex package at your quarterbacks. Otherwise you got to fire up Deshaun Watson. Um, David Johnson, I mean, looked really good on, on Thursday night uh, against the Chiefs, did have the nice kind of a burst uh, touchdown there. Came up a little bit gimpy, but that's what David Johnson does. If he, Assuming he's healthy after three extra days of rest, I, you know, you fire him up, of course, and then wide receiver-wise, pick your poison, I guess. I mean, you got to fire up Will Fuller. But, again, this secondary for the, for the uh, Ravens is ridiculous. I'm going to play David Johnson. I'm going to play Deshaun Watson just because even if they fall behind, there's a lot of kind of late – rush opportunity and deep bombs and maybe he gets three total touchdowns to get you 20 fantasy points but I'm not uh <laughs> probably not messing with anybody else here on this Houston team I mean Baltimore's defense is just too good in my opinion yeah I'm I'm all all about some David Johnson this week he you know did you know that he led the league in yards per carry last week seven yards great. per carry tied Kyler Murray actually at seven yards per carry that's a great last nugget. week Gubb and Hunt went five and a half or better per carry against this defense. I think there's an opportunity for David Johnson here. You know, we had four targets last week as well. So um, I think he's going to be game script proof most of the year, even if they do go down big. I, I just love David Johnson this year, all year long. I'm all going him. I know Duke Johnson was dealing with some injury issues uh, coming out of the game last week as well. So keep your eye on that. If, if he's out, that's just more work. For Johnson. As far as the rest of the team, though, you said it, uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, those two guys are so, so damn good. They, and this wide receiving core looked so bad. Even Will Fuller's 100 and whatever yards came on 10, 12 yard slant routes. I'm not interested in that from this team that's supposed to be a big play team. I'm sitting, I'm sitting Watson. I would rather stream a quarterback off of my waiver wire this week than play Deshaun Watson, who mm. he was pressured. 37.5% of his dropbacks last week. That was most in the league. Baltimore blitzed 22 times last week. That was second most in the league. They are going to get after this guy, and it's not going to go well. You know, it, it won't surprise me if he gets a random rushing touchdown in junk time at the end of the game again because he'll do that all year long. But I'm going to sit this guy if there's anybody I can find on my waiver wire. The only guy, the only other position I'd be willing to play on this team is tight end. Now, if you drafted Darren Fells or if you drafted Jordan Akers, um, play one of those two guys. They're going to be a, a safety pillow for Deshaun Watson all year long. They're going to be red zone targets for him all year long. If they were, if they were one guy, they'd be a stud tight end, but they're not. So if you drafted one, play them this week. If you didn't, it's not like you need to go get one though, because you're going to be guessing which one's the right one all year. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and David Johnson is, is a, a nice move here over a hundred yards um, did have the touchdown and uh, 14 
touches there. Will Fuller, 10 targets last week. Of course, New Hopkins now in Arizona. So Will Fuller, 10 targets, eight receptions, 112 yards. Jordan Akins did get the touchdown. Nobody else, though, I'm interested. I mean, they didn't even use Randall Cobb in this game, which was shocking to me. David Johnson, just four targets. Brandon Cooks, five targets. And he got, you know, a couple of those early, but then faded off in the game. So not quite sure what the Texans are doing here, but uh, they, they need to make something happen in a hurry or they're going to get run absolutely by the Ravens. All right, man, yeah. let's jump into the Chiefs and the Chargers. Much like the Ravens, not much to talk to here about the Chiefs. I mean, there's nobody on this team that is fantasy relevant on your team that you're not playing. Obviously, Mahomes, CEH, proved his worth within the first couple of minutes. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Kelsey. I guess my question is, do you believe in Sammy Watkins or not? 198 yards and three touchdowns in week one last year. And then he didn't go for more than a 70 or a touchdown rest of season. Season Didn't score 10 points in a half PPR league rest of season. I'm concerned. Now, after what we saw last week, are you going to play him again? Yes. Are you, are you going to get bit in the ass by him again? Maybe. Um, but it's concerning. I mean, I mean, you'll play him. You'll play him because he's cheap. You'll play him because it's a you're probably your second flex spot that you're putting him in. But don't be surprised if he if he nearly gooses again on you like he's done the past few years. I agree. Seven receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. Travis Kelsey, six for six for 50 and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, just six targets, 46 yards on five catches and a touchdown. But, you know, he'll obviously get his. I will trust Sammy Watkins for another week. The reason is – uh, Demarcus Robinson had six targets. He actually dropped two touchdowns, which is ridiculous. Michael Hardman only had one target, though. So if it's going to, and somehow CEH didn't have any receptions on just two targets. So if it's going to be Sammy Watkins, who has actually done very, very well over the last five games, uh, dating back to the postseason and the Super Bowl last year, I'm going to give him another week, man. And, and obviously, if he burns me, he burns me, and I shut it down for the week. But um, I do think he could have a chance against this. Uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. It does uh, need to be mentioned, though, secondary that be between Chris Harris and Casey Hayward, this is one of the better defensive backfields totally in the league. So, so again, just I, I just temper on Sammy. You can absolutely play him after last week, um, and you're saying the last five. I didn't I didn't look into the postseason last year, but uh, yeah, play him. Just be wary because it's not a super easy matchup, and he has done this before. I do agree. All right, let's move on to the Chargers side, man. Tyrod Taylor, uh, streamer at best. We know what uh, we're going to get out of Tyrod Taylor. Um, we'll talk about your boy here in a, in, in a minute here in Joshua Kelly. Uh, but Austin Eckler, um, I, you know, I think obviously we all expected a bigger game overall, but I was kind of surprised that we didn't get um, a bigger game. It just seemed like he had a couple, couple rip plays, and I kept looking to see if he was injured. To my knowledge, he's not but he just kind of, you know, faded out a little bit. Um, 19 carries, 84 yards, solid. Uh, but through the air, I mean, just one target, one reception for three yards, that's obviously not Austin Eckler's bread and butter there. So um, concerning there, Mike Williams, in my opinion, dude, is, is a top 20 receiver in NFL terms. In I mean, this guy is phenomenal. <laughs> half, of the, half of the catches he makes are out of bounds because he can't get deep balls sewn to him accurately until my boy Justin Herbert gets in there. That's another conversation. Um, but Keenan Allen obviously uh, didn't get his work either. I mean, just eight, eight targets, which is nice, but just four for 37. I don't like that. Mike Williams actually paced the team nine targets, four catches, and 69 yards there. And then Hunter Henry, which we expected a lot of tight end work from Tyrod Taylor with his work with uh, Charles Clay back in Buffalo, eight targets, five 
receptions and 73 yards there. So pick your poison here on the offense a little bit, and then you know feel free to dive into your boy Joshua Kelly because I agree with you. Austin Eckler is not going to go anywhere unless he's injured, but uh, he definitely lost those um, late when it matters goal line touches to Joshua Kelly, and and Kelly was was effective and did score. So I'm going to start at the receivers here. Look, we know that Kansas City's uh, secondary is beat up, banged up. They're they're coming into this game looking rough, and I think Mike Williams can burn them on a couple of deep balls here and and have a nice game. We know Keenan Allen kind of disappointed last week. He said that, but uh, one thing that we also know was going to happen this game is that Chris Jones is going to get after Tyrod Taylor. Chris Jones might be the best pass rusher in the game right now um, as of week one. Just watching this guy play was insane. I think uh, I think Tyrod's going to struggle in the pocket, and I think that means more look at Keenan Allen on those short um, crossing routes over the middle routes, intermediate routes. Um, I think his, his target and catch numbers come up quite a lot from last week, so totally playable. Mike Williams, you know, if they can find a way to get him a little time for some of those deep balls, he can burn those DBs easy enough. So I'm playing both those guys um, along with you for sure. Hunter Henry is, is going to be a stud all year. So yeah, play him as well. Uh, and then it's, then it's the backfield. So the most interesting stat I found about this backfield last week is this. Austin Eckler had 2.6 yards before contact on average over the course of the game and ended with a 4.4 yards per carry. So um, you do the math, that's 1.8 yards after contact per carry, okay? Joshua Kelly, on the other hand, had 1.3 yards before contact on average over the course of the game and ended with a five yards per carry average. Do the math there, it's 3.7 yards after contact. That was third in the league behind CEH and David Johnson. This guy is a legit running back. He's a beast of a running back that does not go down easily. I've said it all along, Austin Eckler cannot carry the ball Okay. If they give him three yards before contact on, on every play, yeah, fine. He'll be okay. But that's not going to happen. Joshua Kelly's a stud. He's going to take over as the ball carrier. The problem is that it's not going to be for a few more weeks. So at this point right now, uh, I'm going to sit both of these guys down this week. I'm not playing either of them. If I'm playing one, it's going to be Eckler because they're going to be behind trying to throw the ball. And yet Eckler's one catch has to come up. Has to, right? Right? Has to. Has to. Absolutely has to. But I mean, it, it's going to have to for fantasy owners because you drafted him in the second round. He's your RB1 or RB2. And after last year's situation, I mean, a lot of people were passing up on quote unquote bell cows like Chubb or Jacobs or a healthy Sanders, I suppose, Aaron Jones, some of these guys here for Austin Eckler because of what he did in PPR last year. And I frankly didn't target him in one single draft. I love the talent but I just knew he wasn't going to get all the work. Josh, uh, Justin Jackson, who still hasn't gotten his work because he struggles with injuries and he just hasn't been as effective as I think we think he can be. I think he's as talented as Austin Eckler straight up pound for pound. Joshua Kelly comes in though, watching highlights. I mean, dude, he had a one cut run for about 15 yards. I thought it was Eckler the whole time. And I was like, Oh, that's number 27. <laughs> that's, that's the wrong guy, you know? And then he looks and then we get down to the goal line and he's able to bust it in. And if he's running that quote unquote, Melvin Gordon role, we saw what that's been for the Chargers for the last, you know, five years. I mean, that's a very, very uh, high-level fantasy position for him to potentially have both these guys as uh, RB twos at least uh, if they can get going. But honestly, long term, man, um, Kelly's the guy. 
I think he is the guy, and I think it's going to push, although this game, I mean, again, Eckler had 19 carries. Joshua Kelly had 12. Uh, if I look at the receiving stats here, Kelly actually was not targeted, and Austin Eckler only had one target for one reception and three yards. I could see, though, by week three, four, depending how these next couple of games go, all of a sudden Kelly could be the Melvin Gordon, meaning he's getting first down, second down goal line work, and Eckler is pretty much a you know down and second and long, third down back, maybe a uh, you know a first attempt inside the red zone or something like that, like like long and go or something like that. And if they start splitting these running backs, it's going to be a pain in the ass for everybody. But I do think Joshua Kelly is the truth, and uh, I would not uh, not be surprised if he takes a lot more work here moving forward because he definitely proved himself. He uh, prior to the NFL draft, um, Melvin Gordon was one of my comps for Josh Kelly. I think he looks like him. He runs like him. I think mm-hmm. he's a he's just a better player. Unfortunately, he had a bad last year's bad year for him in college. But two years ago at UCLA, he looked great. Hope you hope you stole him in your draft, um, and you're and you're just waiting for him to bust out because he's gonna. I did. Uh, Lucas and I are participating in a uh, Instagram fantasy football account league. It's called the Regime Dynasty League. Very uh, committed fantasy accounts. Most people have um, podcasts. Everybody's got pages and websites and all this shit. We're all very into it. Uh, Dynasty League here. Um, And Lucas and I in that draft uh, passed on Eckler uh, early on, but we ended up getting Justin Jackson in like the, I don't know, 14th round. And in the rookie draft, I think we got third or fourth round, we got Joshua Kelly. Um, And we just got them both on purpose because like who knows who it's going to be, but whoever it is, that guy could straight up be a a running back too. So we don't have Eckler, but we got the other two. And I I feel really good about that. You know, before we move move on, I want to say one other, one other thing. Um, Eckler had whatever hundred, whatever, targets last year and people were kind of expecting that from him again this year going in but one thing people fail to understand is that over the last 10 years no other quarterback comes close comes even close to the amount of dump offs or passes to the running back than Philip Rivers in that 10-year span like it's not even close he he looks to them um, seemingly if you just look at the statistical numbers he looks to them first second sometimes third um, it's, it's, it was never going to happen quite like it did last year, just because that's what he does. And that's not what Tyrod Taylor does, not what Justin Herbert's going to do. So people need to understand that. Well, and that was also relevant with how they handled the Colts as well, right? We're not yeah. talking about the Colts today. We did that yesterday, but, um, you know, you look at, at, uh, at, uh, I Hines. think, I think, yeah, well, Hines, of course, scoring the first two touchdowns there for the Colts, not Mac, not Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Marlon Mack even had three targets and three receptions before he went down. I believe I heard the stat correctly that it was a, uh, a game, let's see, a game high, I believe, for Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, a prolific running back, one of the best statistic running backs in college football history. A game high for Jonathan Taylor in college was three receptions I believe three were targets with three receptions I can't remember nonetheless yeah. he had six as a rookie in his first game in basically half duty <laughs> so if he's the full-time guy for him to get eight targets sounds ridiculous but that still leaves plenty of room for Naheem Hines to get his eight to ten targets and they could just run like the Chargers did for years they run their like you know the off tackle plays if you will they they run them through the air real quick you know what I mean you're yeah, not yeah. handing it off you just do a dump get your guy in space and, and let them do work so I think that's a great call there all right man let's take a real brief uh commercial break here we got two games left I do want to thank everybody for listening in on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast episode 264 breaking it down with my man Dweez Nuts 
You can also tune into us tomorrow. We're going to have a special episode again every single Friday. We're going to have the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast crew on, good friends of the show. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we're family. We're uh, there are our kind of uh, you know East Coast branch. Uh, Dwayne and Lucas are in the Midwest. I'm on the the West Coast here with our boy uh, Bobby Lamarco. So we're coast to coast here on the TCK Pod. Um, those guys are going to be jumping on every Friday. We're going to be breaking down both the rookie and the veteran leagues for the TCK Pod Listener League. We're going to be recapping week one, and we're going to be previewing week two. So for you listeners in the league, make sure you tune in, see how we're feeling about your teams, how you did in week one, how you're coming in in week two. I know that uh, our boy Dewey's Nuts here uh, carried the league, I believe, uh, with the best manager award from Sleeper this week, if I remember correctly. So uh, so, uh, things things are are looking good here. So uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow on Friday and every Friday for us and the Commission fantasy football podcast crew coming in helping us uh break down the tck pod listen link also of course you can find us on instagram at fantasy football underscore tck pod and on twitter at tck underscore pod all of our rankings articles everything else at tckpod.com and of course you can follow our boy dweez nuts on twitter Dwayne, also let them know what you got going on you got i know you have a, a new fun game that we've kind of previewed a little bit on the podcast what is that? How is it going so far in week one? What did you learn from that? And then also let us know about your podcast as well. Sure. My podcast is Your Football Fantasy. You can find that anywhere. Really, it's just uh, three, four guys. We just get shit face drunk, talk shit to each other, and uh, and some football comes out of those conversations every week. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to listen to if you're drinking along with us. I've often been told that it's less interesting if you're sober, though. So think about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, we created a game three in the pink, two in the stink is what we call it. It's really a, a draft day value game. You, you pick guys that you think are going to outplay or underplay their ADPs um, from national draft day. And then week in and week out, we kind of track how they did relative to those ADPs to find out who is the best drafter in uh, America. Week one was awesome. You know, more people finished in the positive than ever have before in week one. So that was good. I, I'm beating all of my fellow co-hosts on the show, which is really the thing that matters most. Lots of shots on the line every week if you lose that. But a fun game. You're in it. Lucas is in it. I'm not sure where you guys finished in week one. Um, somewhere in the middle of the pack, I'm sure. I'll, I'll fill you next time we catch up where you're at. But uh, it's a great game. It's a great game to play. Love it. I'm excited about that, man. So make sure you go find uh, Dwayne and, and uh, everything else he's got going on the podcast. All right, bro, let's finish strong here. We got two games left. New England Patriots. At Seattle Seahawks, game of the week here, Sunday night football. Man, for years, I looked forward to kind of Tom Brady, Sunday night football. You knew he was going to be good for three, four, five touchdowns sometimes. Great defensive of game. That's obviously not the case anymore. We have Cam Newton instead. Cam Newton, 155 yards through the air, no touchdowns, no picks. However, led, uh, led quarterbacks in attempts led quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns and was second only to Kyler Murray's 91 rushing yards with 75 rushing yards himself. Cam Newton is the absolute truck and he is out to prove himself. He looked great in the game. I watched most of that against Miami for fantasy purposes. He's definitely getting it done. I'll I'll be interested to see what he can do against Seattle. And on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, this, this hashtag let Russ cook is, is kind of a joke. And I think it's, you know, dumb as hell. However, it's not dumb as hell if it's true. And frankly, yeah. he fucking crushed and he was cooking all over the field last week. So um, DK Metcalf looked great. Tyler Lockett got his, you know, OG Greg Olson got his Chris Carson had two receiving touchdowns. 
Russell Wilson looked mid-season form. And I had made a mention yesterday, one of my takeaways was that some of these teams, like the Seahawks, came out and they were ready to go. They didn't need uh, preseason. They didn't need week one jitters. They were an established team, same coach, same uh, same coordinators, um, same quarterback, everything else. And they they came out mid-season form and, and smashed. And you saw that from a couple of teams. Patriots, I thought, actually looked a lot better than I thought they would as a unit as well with Cam back there playing the Dolphins and Fitzmagic helping out with a couple of picks. But, uh, you know, my boy James White stayed pretty pedestrian. Um, J.J. Taylor, who's a rookie that nobody knows in this class, uh, actually I think looked like maybe the best back when he got some burst uh, and a couple late carries. Nikhil Harry looked okay on his work but dropped a few balls. Julian Edelman's Julian Edelman. What do we? What should we expect here from the Patriots fantasy wise? Like, if Cam Newton doesn't score two rushing touchdowns, he's absolutely pathetic in fantasy football. Period. <laughs> but he did. Um, how can we expect the Patriots to show up on Sunday night? And then on my side of of, of Seattle, I'm I'm starting everybody. I, I'm I'm fully engaged in Russell, even against this top notch defense. I'm starting Russ. I'm starting Carson. I feel good about uh, both receivers, although I'm going to temper expectations. Uh, yeah, so in New England, you know, Seattle's not going to stop Cam running the ball. It's hard to stop Cam running the ball. He's bigger than most linebackers in the league. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to I think they're going to throw a little more. I'm expecting 25 pass attempts this week. Josh McDaniels will use that run to open up that middle um, crossing route game that Cam succeeded at last week when he was throwing the ball. It was those high percentage throws. That's what they'll do again, I think, this week. Um you know, he showed an affinity for Nikhil Harry, six targets last week, which was nice to see. You know, you didn't really know what was going to happen outside of Edelman on that receiving core, but it's nice to see Harry getting his six targets out of just the 19, right? And then there's Edelman with his seven. Both of those guys are good. You can you can roll both of those guys out there as this team over the course of the next few games, I think, just starts throwing it more and more. And you can probably expect 25 to 30 pass attempts in most games um, over the course of the season. They started slow. You know, it was a home game against the shitty Dolphins. Cam hadn't played football in a long time. I think they're going to slowly sort of unleash his arm to go with his legs, and this will be one of those steps. Um, James White's the man. We know who James White is. He's going to be just fine. You should always play James White. Sony Michelle was is totally an afterthought at this point. I don't know that anybody can feel confident even owning him. If you can find somebody that will buy him off, you sell him for pennies if you can. But, uh, yeah, Nikhil Harry is going to be legitimately in every single one of my daily lineups this week. I think, I, I think he's going to be the steal of the week in uh, uh, DraftKings or FanDuel for sure. And uh, then uh, other side of the ball here, Seattle. You know, Russ is Russ. You said it. Russ is nasty. He's great at every aspect of the game. He'll end up being a first ballot Hall of Famer by the time he's done for sure in the conversation. I think Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson last year, I think they last week they split carries. It was pretty much right down the middle, but it was a tough, tough running for either team. I think Carson has a better game carrying the ball, but uh, really what we need to look at is his pass catching. He had six catches last week, two scores. Miles Gaskin last week against New England was successful both running the ball and catching the ball. I think Carson has a really nice day in both phases as well. DK mm-hmm. and Lockett, however, I'm really hesitant on both of these guys. Stephon Gilmore will shadow DK Metcalf around the field, and Stephon Gilmore is insane. Then you got Jonathan Jones, who will be on Lockett in the slot most of the game, best at his position in all of football, according to PFF. Um, You know who I think 
might be a, a dark horse for some real work this year is that David Moore on the other side. Mm. Um, I play him real cheap in dailies, and I'll probably start him in a flex if I can pick him up somewhere because I think he's going to have an opportunity as these other two guys get sort of slowed down. Uh, really, I think the passing game is going to work through through Chris Carson. I think it's going to work through maybe David Moore. And then Greg Olson, man. Greg Olson looked better than I thought he had any right to look last week. Um, and I think this week is a great, great time to play. You know what? I might even find a way to roll Will Disley out there somewhere for a score this week because I don't think Russ is going to try to force the ball to DK and lock it as their blanket at all game. That's a good call. And maybe that's a reason to fade them potentially. I mean, I feel like the talent is just too big to fade these guys. Now in PPR leagues, I could definitely see fading DK at least uh, in, in non PPR leagues. I feel like, you know, you got to fire them up because it just takes a touchdown sure. for those guys to make value. Sure. Um, and they could either, you know, easily have, you know, 50 yards just on a handful of bolt catches, but I do agree with you. Very little big plays, which is what Seattle's pass game is is run through basically play action big play i don't see a lot of those happening against this defense and uh yeah the, the uh, tight ends definitely could make a difference here all right man let's jump into the monday night game last game of the week in week two the new orleans saints las vegas raiders saints pull out a big win at home against brady and the bucks 34 23 they get a huge victory um honestly they they kind of just Stunned the Bucks. I mean, Brady just didn't look good. They were they were obviously miscommunication. Just didn't have that that. Uh, I think the Bucks were one of those teams that that lost out the most on preseason because of what Brady does and what he likes to do with the line of scrimmage and everything. Also, they have of course the two big receivers with uh, injuries of their own there. On the other side, um, Raiders came out and played well. Um, you know, they uh, got it done in, in uh, Carolina, and I don't think they have a chance against the Saints. But this is a a uh, home game for them uh, in the new stadium. There's going to be a lot of energy. Uh, th this could definitely be a uh, upset of the week, if you will, but I just think that the Saints are too much power. However, the Saints do not have or shouldn't have <laughs> uh, Michael Thomas. And even if he plays this week, next week, the week after that, he's going to be 50%. And we saw what these high ankle sprains did uh did to you know elite talent like Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara last year where if, if nothing else it just knocked them down a few pegs um and I'm really concerned about Michael Thomas in general even if he were to suit up and be active this week which I think is a long shot even if he did I probably am not playing him personally first of all you got to wait until Monday night to make that decision secondly I, I'm just not going to think that he's going to be 100% even against the Raiders so I wouldn't be doing that um a lot of uh, general fantasy firepower here. Josh Jacobs, huge game last year. That was kind of Lucas's dude. He had him at number three overall uh, last week. Three touchdowns from him. Looked pretty good. Some of these rookies felt okay. Derek Carr was looking all right. How are we doing here? A lot of fantasy firepower here with the Saints and the Raiders on Monday night. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the Michael Thomas thing is is legit. And if he does play, he's going he's going to be out there as a decoy. That's all um, smart money for the team is to let him sit. And if that happens, we're looking at Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, and Emmanuel Sanders as the starting wide receiver core. That does not certainly – it doesn't, doesn't get me up in the morning, okay? That is not exactly the wide receiver core I want to go after. Um, but they don't need that wide receiver core – to be rolling to uh, to be fantasy playable. I mean, you know, it was a dink and dunk game last week for Breeze. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a dink and dunk game again. If you drafted Breeze in the first three, four rounds, which is about where he was going, 
Um, you're going to have to wait another week, I think, for him to really break out. I still think he's going to finish quarterback six on the year, but it's not going to be as a result of these first two weeks. Uh, you know, I think uh, Jared Cook is my first, my first guy I want to mention here. Um, led the team in catches and receiving yards last week. He had seven targets. I think he's going to do that again as the wide receiver sort of let Breeze down. He's going to look to Jared Cook, and it's going to work. Kamara had eight targets last week. So, you know, Murray got in and got uh, – what did he get? 15 carries to Kamara's 12. That was a little bit confusing in the backfield. But there are other weapons on this team that they don't need to rely on that wide receiver core. Um, the only wide receiver from the team that I'm willing to touch is Emmanuel Sanders – deep he had to hit five targets last week it led the wide receiver core he could score a touchdown maybe this week but there are plenty of non-wide receiver options for breeze to throw it to and i think he'll look to those guys jared cook alvin kamara and uh, latavius murray on the ground i think those guys will be fine and i'm playing all of them if i've got them for sure totally on the other agree. side of the who, on who, the other who, side of the ball here what? real quick real quick let me cut you off just because there's a lot of people Hit me up. First of all, I mentioned at the top of the top of the episode that people are looking to trade Michael Thomas. Look at people. Sure. Look, I'm looking to try to trade for Michael Thomas. I will wait, maybe burn uh, an L if I if I have to in the next two weeks just to see what happens. Throw him on my IR and wait it out because again, if you get 85% of Michael Thomas over the second half of your season, that's better than most of the receivers that you probably have under bench anyway. So I'll take that risk. However, let's just you know put yourself in that shoes, Dwayne. You have Michael Thomas. You're going oh shit. A, if he's active and he plays, are you playing him? B, if he sits and he's definitely out, are you just going to wait until Monday night, keep him in your lineup? Okay, he's out. I know I can go get Traquan Smith, probably even Emmanuel Sanders off the waiver for free, right? The problem is the way that rosters lock with these Monday night games, you may not be able to drop somebody even if they didn't play or they're terrible, you don't want them. They're going to lock and you can't drop them necessarily. So you might run into an issue if you can't throw them on your IR for league settings for some reason. Who in the Saints lineup would you want if you could get somebody? You want that big play threat with uh, Traquan Smith, or are you going to try to take that PPR uh, floor with Emmanuel Sanders if you had to grab somebody from the Saints late? Yeah, so first, I don't have to pretend. I have in my hometown there league, go. I've got Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, who's now got this uh, concussion thing, and A.J. Brown on my three wide receivers. And he's, he's the only injury, too, right now. It's not a pretty situation. The only guy that I've made my mind up already about is Michael Thomas. He's on my bench. I do not care if he plays. I'm not putting him in this game because I don't think one, I don't think it's going to, it's going to mean much on the bottom line stat line, but two, it's the Monday night thing. Like I don't mess around with Monday night players because if something happens, something changes right before kickoff, there's very little you can do. Now, if you're dead set on it, you want Michael Thomas in there and something does happen. It's Emmanuel Sanders is the guy that you're going to replace him with. Um, again, he he led the receiving core in targets last week. We've seen Manny be successful in what he does in a lot of different places in the league. Um, and Drew Brees is going to be looking for people that he knows he can lean on, rely on trust in this dink and dunk offense that I expect them to run out next week. That's Manny's, uh, that's Manny's situation. Certainly it's not going to be, he's not going to have any big plays unless he breaks one of these crossing routes. But I think his his PPR floor will be, it will be enough that, you know, you're not uh, completely kicking yourself for trying to roll out Michael Thomas, but yeah, I'm not starting him at all. He is on my bench and he's not coming off of my bench, regardless of what the team says this week. Good call. I cut you off a little bit to do that. So feel free to, uh, to yeah. proceed to the rest of the team and the Raiders. Yeah, look, we'll go to the Raiders side here. Um, look, 
Josh Jacobs was insane last week. Josh Jacobs was everything that he could have been and then some last week. If you if you look at Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and Devontae Booker, not Jalen Richard, but Devontae Booker, these guys had 61% of the team targets. And Jacobs was a big part of that. Like, nobody expected him to have pass-catching work, but he did. Of course, a big reason is that this receiving core is not exactly up to snuff. We've got two rookies starting. Tyrell Williams is out on the IR. Not that he was ever anybody's favorite wide receiver, but it's going to be a while before those receivers really catch up if it really is Ruggs and Brian Edwards starting all year. So I think we can lean on guys like Jacobs Waller and even a Devontae Booker in a, in a PPR format going into this week as well, just because there's not a lot of other options. Um, I would think this week Ruggs, unfortunately, will be will be man to man against Marshawn Lattimore more often than not. Lattimore is uh, is an absolute shutdown guy. He's not going to let Ruggs get free, so don't expect a lot from him. I wouldn't even play Ruggs if you have the option to sit him. I'm not really playing any receivers on this team probably for several weeks, um, but play those other guys. I think I think Derek Carr is probably an okay play. Last week, Tom Brady was sacked, I think, three times. 8% of his dropbacks, he was sacked. But uh, Las Vegas has a better offensive line, a better pass-blocking offensive line than New England does. In fact, it's one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines in the league. So I think he'll have some time, um, which will turn into a couple of big touchdowns to Waller um, and, and you know a bunch of screen stuff. But I don't see the wide receiver passing game being very successful here. So uh, play play Jacobs, play Walker, play Booker, and if you have to roll Carr out there as a streaming quarterback too, I wouldn't feel terrible about doing that this week. Fantastic! I like Jacobs, of course, and uh, I am Waller's good at tight end, of course, and he's safe. I'm probably going to fade the rest of these uh, receivers. I just want to see sure. who kind of rises rises to the top there. All right, man, that wraps up our night slots. A game tonight again. Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns this evening. And then we have the four games on Sunday with the nightcap of New England Patriots and Seattle Seahawks. And then we have Monday Night Football, New Orleans Saints, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Dwayne, before you get out of here, man, I want you to join in on our pick'em this week. Now we're not gonna have we're not gonna go through every single game. We're long in the tooth. We got to get out of here. But I do want you to do a pick'em real quick on the games that we just covered. So we've already done the analysis. One word answer. I'm going to give you two teams. I want you to give me one team back. We'll mark it down here for next week, and we'll get this moving. So Thursday night football, this evening, who you got? Bengals at Browns. Browns. Love it. You hear that, Lucas? You hear that? <laughs> Hashtag sometimes the Browns. I like it. <laughs> Let's move on to Sunday here. Washington at Arizona. That's Arizona. Easy. All right. Baltimore at Houston. Baltimore. Kansas City at Chargers. Never pick against the Chiefs. Yep, I agree. New England at Seattle. Uh, I'm going to take New England in an upset Mm. win here. Mm. In Seattle. They don't have the 12s there, so it's not as much of a home field advantage. I like – I'm going to call that even an upset pick. I do like that. New Orleans at Las Vegas. That's New Orleans. New Orleans. You got it, brother. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for jumping on. Hopefully we have you on. I like doing these, uh, breaking these down with other people. You know, Lucas and I talk every day, so we know what each other's going (laughs) to say. I like to mix it up, man. Always a pleasure getting down with you, Dwayne. Make sure you go check out Dweez Nuts on Twitter. All Z's, no S's. Y'all know the drill. Go find us on Instagram and Twitter as well. You can find all of our articles and all of our rankings at TCK Pod. 
TCKpod.com. We'll be with the Commish FFP boys tomorrow, breaking down the TCK Pod Listener Leagues, episode 264 in the books. Happy Thursday. Enjoy the game this evening. For Dwayne Lynn, a.k.a. Dwee's Nuts, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.